Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How long gone? Back post-Christmas, feeling good. The the cobwebs are shaking off. The brain is working again. I, I haven't seen any Christmas trees uh, at the curb for trash collection yet, but I'm hoping to see that today. One more week, one more week. Yeah, this was, we. I, I had a conversation with my wife uh, today about Christmas trees, and we realized that it's, it's less work and it's easier to just get a real Christmas tree than to have a fake one because the fake one you have to take out of a box install and then it's, yeah, it's, take, it's, put it back in the box. Yeah, but it's like a bastard to do it because like you keep it in the rafters of your garage if you're privileged enough to have a garage, um, <laughs> but you know, it's heavy. It's this bulky box that's ripping and shit and then you pull it out and it's just like it looks like an animal's penis or something. It's terrible and barbed and wrapped up <laughs> and then you have to fluff each individual yeah. branch yeah. and then when it's time to put it back you have to do it all over again except now it has to fit into this box yes yes and that's also a bastard so but all that is to say we're like the only downside is you have to get this tree and drag it down to the curb and it just sort of rots in front of your house for question no problem. mark you, amount you, of days. you strap on your ben edgar gloves kind of <laughs> grip the tree in two places and you haul it out of there you're a strong guy you could do no, it. No, no. it those gloves are for the magic of christmas not for the manual labor part okay I, well i like that's the that manual labor that that gets rid of a christmas tree is something that i could kind of that's the manual labor i can okay get now now you're just grinching you're no, grinch no, maxing no. I'm not. Gr- <laughs> I am Grinch maxing in this one particular case. Oh, I hate that I said that word because it's probably a real word. And if you search Grinch maxing yeah, on TikTok, there's 3.7 billion views for it. 100%. Our tree is actually, it's very nice and sparse. And I, I, I uh, it was bought without my supervision and it did cost a lot of money, but it looks expensive. So I, bro, kinda... you got the Roblox tree. That shit looks like it's Wolfenstein 3D. It's, it's, it's eight bit kind of. I love it. But I also think it's, it's a, it's a stunner. It's an, <laughs> it's a head turning tree shape is what it is. When the guy, when the guy came to deliver it, he was like explained to me like the origins of the kind of hybrid. I'm like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Stop telling me about like the hybrid of this this variant. So this is so are they doing stuff to trees the way they're doing it to apples and uh and small dogs? Like this is a honey crisp blend no. with the pomeranian <laughs> yeah, doodle no. doodle flop. No, I don't think so, but it it could be it could have just been more of like a this was grown in X region and harvested, you know what I mean? Okay, like that okay. kind of thing. Like a full origin story. So this one's an outdoor NorCal. Um Yeah, exactly. A little little too much sun in March, but we kind of yeah. made it through. They talk about it like like your your uh bud tender would kind of <laughs> walk you walk you through some of the new flower they got in for twenty twenty four. Super clean finish. It smokes really well. <laughs> I mean, it's we smoke it here, so 
super clean finish. <laughs> um, well, how was how was uh, your Mexican Christmas? Talking about Nobu Hotel and Resort in Los Cabos, Mexico. I know you were going to reconnect with your roots this year, and I'm, I'm sure you got some of your. I, I was. I'm hoping you got to practice some of your Spanish speaking to some of the staff and maybe other guests at the hotel. Is that yeah? Fair? Un- unfortunately, my Spanish came in handy as I did tangle with the Sinaloan cartel uh, this weekend. It <laughs> was, was the cartel. Was the cartel trying to? Did you hire them to escort you to a restaurant off-site so you could spend less money on food or? <laughs> Were they were they kind of? It was still cheaper. It was still cheaper to hire armed guards to drive me to a local ceviche shack than to just eat a a bowl of steamed rice at the Nobu Hotel. It was cheaper to hire security. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the the bulletproof suburban added a little bit of a bonus. But if you start adding caviar to some of those rolls, it's putting you over that for sure. Oh my god! Yeah, it was. I don't know. Like people ask us about it and we we still are having trauma and we have not necessarily like we know how like you said on the last episode practice self-care this weekend by not looking at like turning off your Amex noties. Yes, yes. The way they do it which is a smart move for them, bad for everyone else is they don't just hit you with like all right, here's your lump sum bill. Here's how much you owe us all in. Everything is itemized and spread out. So like the food and beverage is one charge, the hotel is one charge, the service thingy is one charge. You know, I don't like, like that at all. So they I don't, don't like just that. say like, all right, like you that. no, it's it's uh it's disingenuous, isn't it? <laughs> you're telling me that the Nobu Corporation is disingenuous. <laughs> you mean that you're t- you're meaning to tell me that the Nobu Corporation <laughs> is selling a serene Japanese lifestyle to Orange County Republicans is <laughs> is not being fully upfront about their business practices? Is that what you're saying? There were some similarities when um. When we went to Lake Como, where you're just staying at a resort, all inclusive, you know, like not all really, inclusive, just meaning that you can't, you just can't not, leave, yeah, yeah. you just don't leave. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the opposite of all inclusive, but yeah, the, the way they designed <laughs> it, it's quite a hassle to leave this place and go do anything else. Um, it's it's pretty much impossible. So it it has that vibe of we're here. It's my shitty family. I'm rich. I hate my life. I hate my kids. I hate my wife. Everything sucks. Your whole family just sits there, looks at their phones, mm-hmm. and then you're at this location where if you're in Italy, it's like we have these, you know, local specialties and squid and we're in Mexico and we can eat all these crazy habanero pepper, you know, and everyone is just like, Can I get egg white, omelet, spinach? <laughs> and um I have a gluten nut and um, seafood allergy and they're like bitch we're a sushi restaurant what that's are you doing I, here and they're like can I have french fries like that's all it is that's what I because when you were describing the crowd to me and how it was kind of some undesirables there's a there's a lot of professional people working there let's say that oh you're saying there were some kind of paid holidays that maybe there was some exchanges going on for is that what you mean there we tracked a couple white lotus situations i don't know what that means exactly but i i assume a big part of the storyline where there are these two italian local prostitute women and they sort of sex workers jason sex workers sexinistas and they sort of wreak havoc on the hotel you know they're fucking and sucking and they're a nuisance, okay. et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're saying you saw some of that. There, there were some young, some young girls doing that vibe, and older guys kind of talking to them at the pool. And then the next day, you'd see them all sitting together at dinner that <laughs> night, being like, "So you ever been to Nobu?" Like, 
don't know. There was a lot of prostitutes there. It was cool. So you think you, you think you're not going to make this a a Stewart family tradition? You think this might be a one and done, uh, or do you, or, or do you think maybe you secretly like it? That was the other problem. Is I don't know. Like my my biggest gripe always is like a value thing. Like if it really is amazing and I loved it and it, it's expensive, that's fine. I'm I'm cool with it because you're sure, getting something of course. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to find those those problems here only on some of the food items, but everything else, it's like the room is expensive and you get in and like it's pretty sick. Like yeah, yeah. It's it nice amazing. and clean and everything's new and I have a private pool and it's fairly nice and relaxing. Big TV, fast Wi-Fi, turn down services, sick, good products, tons of counter space. Like everything was good. I couldn't really hate on it until you got the thirty dollar <laughs> California roll. Or you know. no, guys, I'm not exaggerating. Jason sent the, a picture of the menu to a uh, one of our group chats, and it was it, it was I, everything was seventy and up. There, there was no. I don't think there was anything below literally seventy three dollars on this menu, which is. And these are these are sushi rolls. Yeah, this, this is not a filling. <laughs> this isn't a steak dinner. This isn't the T bone for two. This is. It was a, yeah. A, it, there was. I mean, we did get a ribeye, like a small ribeye, maybe like a seven eight ounce ribeye, with like truffle sauce on it <laughs> and crispy onions, and that was only seventy three dollars, and that was delicious and a reasonable value. Yes, it wasn't that bad at all. But then when you see for seventy three dollars, you can also get like a dynamite lobster roll or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Didn't okay. It's predatory for rich people. I'm happy to have you back, and we saw you last night. You guys look tan. You look refreshed. So yeah. overall, the optics are good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was Nobu in Cabo is the exact opposite of an alcohol free queer space for adults with no friends. Yeah, you can yeah, only yeah. survive. With alcohol there, yeah, I can only imagine the the lychee martinis were flowing poolside. I'm I can only I felt so bad. Why for all the local employees who had to say the word lychee so many times? <laughs> this job is fine. <laughs> the tips are okay, but I keep having to say lychee over and but over. Also, every every employee that worked there so accommodating, so nice. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's you a, ask them it's a, a question. Pro operation. It's just like I know, but I was I I I kept experiencing the AB comp between anywhere in America. For the most part, not at the Carlisle, something like that, but most most places, just shit service. And over there, they are so happy to well, help. Can you and imagine? So kind can, and so sweet. You don't want to cross a fucking Laguna Beach Republican, you know, <laughs> when they're on vacation. You don't want that. So that's the thing I think is that the that's what's so interesting about Mexico and what I d discovered in Palm Springs is like all of these things on the West Coast. The people that have money here aren't cool. They're literally builders with two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollar trucks, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they go to the they go to the place they go to the that's who keeps these places in business. Yeah, it's not and unfortunately you know, they go there to sort of passive aggressively belittle other cultures. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. No, 100%. which is a bummer because it's like a it's a bit of like a a class uh, checkmate situation because they depend on uh, that revenue from. Yeah, it's tourism. A, yeah, so it's, like it's not like a nice added bonus. Like it's their only no. It's a chokehold. It's it's a chokehold. Yeah, and they know that. So like the U.S. dollar, like when the U.S. dollar is like doing well against the peso, like the country only does well when the country is doing poorly. I always you know forget I mean? that you have you minored in economics, um, and that's something that's no, that's like I did not. It's a free. Yeah, the only it's a free. <laughs> thing about economics is my is is it's very minor well that's that's all i could say 
<laughs> the one true part about that is yeah, minor. Yeah, minor, minor sticks out. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look, we have a guest today, uh, Moby. You you know him uh, from his classic hit albums. He has two memoirs. I've read both of them. They're amazing. Uh, he's a he's owned several vegan restaurants. Uh, he's an animal rights warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, ambient also put out several ambient projects that I know Jason keeps in rotation. And I want to say this: this is not this wasn't planned, but we we booked Moby a, a while ago, and we're having some issues with with Bluetooth in one of our cars, and the only CD in the in the car is is Moby's play. <laughs> so I've been revisiting it uh feeling like I'm, you know, in a movie driving every night with the top down listening to Moby um and I have to say it holds up. You f- you feel like Brad Pitt wearing Tom Ford for Gucci like running in slow motion yeah. somewhere? That, that's that's literally what I feel like when I put on play. That's what I feel like. But let's um let's give uh Moby a jingle and and see what kind of tea he's having this morning. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, Moby, what's good? Are you in L.A.? Yeah, I'm in L.A. right at the base of Griffith Observatory. Don't dox yourself, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a wonderful neighborhood. I've always wanted to live there. I'd ride my bike through those hills multiple times a week. But then the the traffic for shows at the Greek Theater, what do you do about that, Moby? Uh well, my response to that is kind of my response to just about everything. I stay home. Okay, sure. okay, sure. You don't want to. You don't want to kind of tangle with the riffraff out there going to see Casey Musgrave. You're, you're going to stay home and kind of keep to yourself. And luckily, and this is one of the. I mean, I've said a lot of mundane things in my life, but this is exceedingly mundane. My windows are really good, and they they keep my house really quiet. So you can have all this like Casey Musgrave. Musgrave or Musgrove? I, I, Musgrave. Whoever Musgrave. you said, yeah, that person. It could be a Charlie XCX concert. Sure. Yeah, run the jewels. You're not going to hear it. And it can be the traffic or the concert, and I don't hear a thing, and I just sit inside like the old person I am, sequestered, watching reruns of Thirty Rock. Oh, <laughs> hot topic. So, did were these windows? Did they come stock, or did you seek these out and have them installed? So. And and I'll try to make this story interesting. Um, When I first moved to L.A., I moved into a castle. We're familiar with the castle. We we live in L.A. We know the lore of the castle. Okay. So I found this crazy castle. You know, it was built in the 20s. um, And it was so over the top. I mean, it was three or four structures with 12 bedrooms. And as I grew up incredibly poor, I always sort of assumed that if I had the perfect fancy home it would finally fix all of my personal issues that i couldn't otherwise fix in therapy sure of course okay so i move into this castle (laughs) and pretty quickly i realized like it was a great place for having parties you know you could have 300 people there comfortably and it's not an exaggeration like we'd have these massive parties i'd be like wow this is great i don't know anyone who's here <laughs> but i moved in and i very quickly realized the majority of my time at home 
is spent like watching TV, working on music, making oatmeal, doing really <laughs> banal stuff. And I sort of asked myself the question, like, don't you feel ridiculous having a castle where 99% of the time you're just like reading an old issue of the New Yorker and eating popcorn. You're using two rooms. You're using two rooms of yeah. the 20 is what I mean. I felt a is. lot. I felt like Orson Welles at the end of citizen Kane. I'm like, what, 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 why am I overcompensating so hard? So I sold that house and I found this much simpler, pretty quiet, nice house right by Griffith park. So to, answer your question about the windows they came pre-installed with the house i just got really lucky that they're really good that's great you did make it interesting for the record yeah yeah you did i try did you i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure when you sold that house there was a financial upside as well as the emotional upside i hope there was a, a little bit i mean i imagine whoever bought it from me um who might or might not have been banksy i'm not allowed to say <laughs> uh whoever bought it from me could prob given the way real estate is in Los Angeles, they could probably sell it and make tons of money that I could have made had I held on to it for a while. But you were you're a little bit of a real estate. You've you've made some moves over the years, right? I thought you liked that. No, it's all sort of like like Citizen Kane, Jay Gatsby style, trying to fix childhood issues. Okay. with houses i would love to look i would love to fix my issues by throwing money at them i'm just on a lower level so I, maybe i can get there one day it's it's cooler than trying to fix those issues with sneakers or collectible <laughs> exactly. toys you know what exactly. i mean or exactly. i mean yeah i mean there's so many ways in which especially in los angeles but everywhere where people try to fix issues with all these things that prove to be ridiculous whether it's Mm -hmm. hair implants, plastic surgery, becoming a crypto bro in Puerto Rico. Um, let's not look, let's not attack, let's not Elon attack, Musk let's not tweets, attack the small penis G-Wagon community. I don't want to do that <laughs> right now. That's not, not on this program. Uh, quick side note, Moby, uh, Banksy is the guy from Massive Attack, correct? <laughs> uh, and, and possibly the current prime minister of the UK. And I think he and Jim Morrison moved to Zimbabwe to run guns to rebels. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so okay. Banksy's hanging out with Tupac down there. I get, I get, we'll I see take what's that going as on. a yes, Moby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you downsized to a home, but I feel like the home is still pretty sick though, right? It's not in, okay. It's, it's a little strange in that I live 10 feet from the park. And the first thing I did when I moved into my house was I tore out the lawn and I replaced everything with trees. And so mm -hmm. when you're at my house or you're in my house, all you see are pine trees. Is this front yard and backyard? Every Everywhere. Every window <laughs> looks at pine trees because mm -hmm. something happened where I realized the greatest view I could have in Los Angeles was trees. You know, like I don't want to look at the rest of the city. You know, <laughs> I don't want these big expansive views. I just want to sit here and like as an old person look at trees and occasionally squirrels and That's a great idea. Yeah, I know I should probably come up with a better story or something, but yeah, I'm 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 I've become this simpleton who just wants to look at trees. It's a great Why idea. Pines? Why pines? The smell? I don't know. I it's I I my <laughs> assumption is that when i was young i don't know if you guys had this experience where like you would watch 
these educational Disney films. Like if you had a substitute teacher in second grade, they would play some educational Disney mm-hmm. film about forests or something. Yeah. And it would be this idyllic footage from the 1940s or 50s of pine forests. And something stuck with me where I associated pine forests and pine trees with safety and comfort. And so, yeah, so now my house is surrounded by pine trees. So I'm going to surround myself with them. Okay. No, that's a great reason. I I, I was going to say smell, but this is a lot, yeah, a nice. lot better. So you, instead of having the house to fill the, the trauma in your, in your body, the trees, they're there, they're free, they're creating oxygen for your neighbors. It's a wonderful solution. Well, to that end, I had this, when I was living in the crazy castle, I had this epiphany that was so self-evident, but it really struck me. Um, and it seems like it's this recurring theme of our conversation so far, is I was sitting in my castle. Don't say Citizen Kane again. Yeah, confronted <laughs> with... Um, my Citizen Kane style effort <laughs> to overcompensate. Sorry. Classic Kane. And <laughs> I, I was reading some magazine. And in the magazine, they had an ad for like a $20,000 Rolex watch. And I was looking at this advertisement. And then right in front of me was a tree I just planted that the tree cost maybe $50. And I had this, this really simple moment. Um, and feel free to edit this out if if this is of no interest to you or anyone possibly listening, <laughs> is I looked at the watch and I was like, huh, that watch probably tells about the, it's as good as telling time as my phone. It's certainly about as good as like a $50 Casio. And apart from that, it's just this dead idiotic status symbol. And I looked at the tree for $50 and I was like, that tree will last, it'll be here for a hundred years turn CO2 into oxygen. It will cool the air. It will provide home for billions of creatures and birds and squirrels. (laughs) And I just thought, what, like who in their right mind values a dead idiotic gold watch more than a $50 tree? Unfortunately, Jason, my co-host does. I would, I don't, I I, I stand with you. Is that tree going to get you laid, Moby? That's the question. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. And the answer is probably (laughs) not. By the way, I'm not criticized. There's nothing wrong with a $20,000 gold watch. What it was wrong for was, it was wrong for me. Like I tried to use Mm -hmm weird external things to overcompensate for the fact that at my core I was and probably remain an insecure nerd who grew up poor white trash in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Well, what what you should be doing is what you're probably doing now, investing in analog synth gear that is very <laughs> expensive that you buy on the internet. Well, I did that too. I was going to ask how many phases, how many phases of money blowing? <laughs> like, can you, let's just start at the beginning. You made some money. What are we blowing on first? Then we can just go through the decades at this well, point. There's like, and to assess the blowing of money, <laughs> there's like the smart ish stuff and then the stupid stuff. The smart ish stuff. Of course. Is not that interesting. The smartest we stuff don't is want like that. we don't want. I got an apartment and renovated yeah. it myself. No, no, no. No one wants to hear stories about reasonably well-adjusted musicians. <laughs> yeah. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So the stupid stuff in 1995, after eight years of sobriety, I started drinking again, and I spent a good 13 years relapsing increasingly idiotically and. Mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, 
the obvious stuff of like, you know, buying drugs, but also as my career as a musician started to do better, I sort of thought I had to, like it was almost an obligation to do the things that other musicians seem to be good at. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I should probably figure out how to go on vacation to a place like St. Bart's or I, I, I should probably get a private chef. <laughs> yeah. Or an assistant or all these things. And so basically I could sit here and go through my laundry list of incredibly stupid things that I've done. But if you just assume <laughs> that there's a stupid thing that a public figure musician has done, and I guarantee you I've done it, way more often than i needed to you gave it a you gave it a try you 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 wanted to put it on and see if it fit thousands and thousands and thousands of times like that sort of thing of like oh maybe having 25 drinks a night and spending 500 dollars a day on cocaine isn't a good idea why have i been doing this for the last 15 years well i mean i look i've read i've read both the books i love them i love the books i think they're great and so I know about some of the drug stuff, but five hundred dollars a day is steep. I want to. I want to say that's not that's that's high as far as things I've heard before, especially with inflation. And also, I, part of it is as an uptight wasp from Connecticut, I just never learned how to haggle. So, like, <laughs> if a drug dealer shows up at your apartment you're, at two a.m., like you're just you're so grateful. You don't want to try and negotiate the cost. No, definitely of the not. Drugs. You're just like, oh, thank you for coming. Can I make? Can I get you a cup of tea? You're buying in bulk at that point, so there usually is kind of a bulk barn-style discount, but at 2 a.m., it's a supply and demand issue. Yeah, pretty much everything at 2 a.m. is a supply and demand issue. It's a seller's market. We'll call it that. How did you... Were you just an ATM guy, or did you go to the bank and kind of take out cash and keep it at the house for these instances? Uh, A little of both. I So I had this experience when I was, I guess, 19 years old. Uh, I was living in an abandoned factory. I was DJing at a dive bar in Port Chester, New York. Um, and I was making around $2,000 a year. Okay. And this was 1800s or 1900s? <laughs> yeah, this was, this was <laughs> when uh, I believe Fillmore was president. Um, okay. Okay. So we're, we're so it's, this is like this is back. early 90s, late 19th century. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And two thousand dollars a year is very low, even for then. I just wanted to. Be yeah, clear. but you'd be amazed if you live in an abandoned factory and you spend ten dollars <laughs> a week on oatmeal. Like there, you, you can you make can, it last. You can live very inexpensively. Okay. But I went to my ATM and I didn't have sufficient funds to take out twenty dollars, and so I had this moment, this sort of like, you know, gone with the wind, Scarlett O'Hara moment. I was like, this will never happen again. I will always have at least $20. Mm-hmm. And so even as I started making a decent amount of money from music, I would go to the ATM constantly because it was such a nice reminder that I could take out money. And so thanks, drugs. I loved going to the ATM. I just want to, first of all, I want to thank cocaine. ATM never gets (laughs) old. I want to thank cocaine and Bank of America for kind of making this dream come true. (laughs) We love you guys. Yeah, I knew my my Bank of America at the corner of, I guess it was Mulberry and Houston. Oh boy, did I know that little vestibule. (laughs) Oh, I I, I know that. Really? I know that location. I, I know that location very well. And I also used to spend a lot of cash on drugs and I, I've, there's certain banks that I can't really go in. 
Like there's, especially in LA, there's like a couple branches of Bank of America where I'm like, I can't go in there. You start it's getting just, the cold sweats. It's just not, yeah, it's not good for me to go there. Interesting, interesting. Um, I was I was listening to a podcast of yours, Moby Pod, by the way, is a great name for your podcast or any podcast. Um, could you talk about the the creation process of that name? Yeah, well, the name is sort of a pun. But I realized it's not a very effective pun because no one, no one really gets it. So I should have come up with a better name. Um, <laughs> a pod is like a pod of whales. You have like a pride of lions mm. and a murder of crows. Um, it's a pod of whales. And so we thought, well, I'm named after a whale. How about Moby Pod? Apart from the fact that no one seems to know that when a bunch of whales are hanging out, it's called a pod. I, I didn't know that either. It, it's sitting right there, and I did not put that together either. No, no. I, I feel like you transcend whale. Uh, <laughs> I feel like whale got its name from you. Yeah, I think you've you've eclipsed the, the whale at this point. Yeah, you've eclipsed a whale. Mm. I mean, Moby Dick may have sold more copies than play, but still. <laughs> mm. We could have a really long conversation about... Because I having been named after Moby Dick, I've spent my entire life trying to sort of like figure out what meaning that might have. Mm -hmm. And also like going to school, I was not a great student and I was not very bright, but boy, oh boy, was I able to endear myself to teachers by saying, oh, I'm related to Herman Melville and my name is Moby. Mm -hmm. Like immediately teachers are like, wow, he must be so literary and erudite i was like no i'm a dimwit that goes that goes <laughs> far with the faculty that goes far yeah, with the kind faculty. of like when i went to college i was a philosophy major and i was a very bad philosophy major like i didn't do most of the work i didn't do a lot of the readings but i found if you go to a party and you tell people you're a philosophy major immediately they add 40 points to your iq mm -hmm. that's funny because when somebody tells me that i just think oh you so see you just never want to make any money but go to college for 15 years you know you're kind of an academic but his mind point. but his mind yeah it, i mean it is in terms of majors mm, yeah they're, they're, there's not a lot of precedent for people like taking a degree in philosophy and going out and buying twenty thousand dollar gold rolexes that, that's what i mean <laughs> and that's what i mean I, I need that correlation to be there for me to get excited about yeah. it you know that's what that's what i need did you you never went back to college did you uh, I kind of went back a few times, but never graduated. I went to UConn for a little while, and I went to SUNY Purchase. I, I guess if I went back now, I'd maybe, I'd maybe be a junior or a sophomore. I'm not sure. You know what? You should finish. It'd be great. It'd be a great story for you. Maybe a reality show, kind of you hitting NYU <laughs> with kind of the undergrads. I could, I could see that right now. That's yeah. Good stuff. I mean, I feel like there's both a Simpsons episode about that and a Family Guy episode <laughs> about that. So yeah, there you go. There you go. We need a live action version. That's the whole thing. We need a live action. Have version. you been on the Simpsons? You have, right? Sort of. I was mentioned once when Apu and Manjula get married. Mm -hmm. Uh, they play one of my songs when they, they, they have octuplets and they turn the octuplets into like a circus show and they play one of my songs that. as the theme for the octuplets circus show. And then one time when the Simpsons get invited to go to the skybox at an arena, 
Marge walks into the skybox and says, ooh, it's so modern, just like Moby's house on Cribs. Wow. That's <laughs> that's almost better than that's almost better than the full the full. Well thing, there was there was one of my questions I wanted to talk to you about. The, I, I just recently saw there's a whole episode, a Morrissey episode of The Simpsons. Have you seen that? No, I to be honest, I think the last Simpsons I watched was maybe season ten or season eleven. So I'm sure that there are some great ones since then. Maybe I should go back and get the Disney app and watch them all. I think it's quietly good and nobody's really paying attention. But I wanted to ask, are you secretly friends with Morrissey? I have met Morrissey twice. Once at the Greek, the aforementioned Greek that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, I played there in 2000 and he came backstage and introduced himself and then left. And just one of those strange backstage moments where like... (laughs) Wait, did that just happen? Morrissey just came backstage, introduced himself, and left. Not the other way around. Morrissey came to backstage to see me. Yeah, and we didn't really talk much. He was very formal. He was very civil. We had like just shook hands. He introduced himself, said thank you for the show, and left. I like I like that style. I I, I prefer that to some gushing. You're like, I know I was good, bro. I heard the crowd. <laughs> I don't need that from uh, Morrissey. And then I used to own a vegan restaurant here in Los Angeles being reopened by Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. We're going to get into that. Don't worry. <laughs> Good vegan name dropping. <laughs> That's on the docket. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> but I used to own this vegan restaurant called Little Pine and Morrissey among many other people was sort of a regular there. Mm, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. I was just wondering if there was some type of elite vegan kind of underground network that I was not privy to that you could, you know, like some type of eyes wide shut vegan <laughs> under underlord kind of thing. Uh, it's Chris Black and Jason Stewart from How Long Gone, and we want to tell you about our summer tour. We're going on tour this summer in America. We're, we're touching all of the important cities uh, this June, Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm looking forward to our new cities, St. Paul and D.C., but we'll be on to some of the major first-tier cities later on in the year. Don't worry. So if you live in L.A. and New York... Hush your mouth. That's it. Just L.A. New York. But yeah. No, London. London. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, howlonggone.com is our website. Tickets are on sale now, and uh, we'll see you out there. Minus the eyes wide shut part, there's definitely... The vegans, we all... There aren't that many of us, and we all kind of know each other, and you know we see each other at different events and there's always that sort of like you know across the room the acknowledgement of like oh okay we're in the vegan cult together a tip of the hat to a another elite vegan member of society yeah like a freemason sort of nod like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, it's a free, I, I see you, you see a little tempeh handshake yeah, yeah. I, I saw you from across the room at crossroads and i could tell you're one of us let yeah. me give you a wink yeah so i wanted to speaking of crossroads and, and vegan restaurants and and little pine which I've eaten at before, and it was it was enjoyable, and also R.I.P. to M Cafe. I'm sure you're one of my favorites. What do you think about the vegan kind of junk food trend that we've moved out of? Like for over the last couple of years, it just turned into like everything that you know, just awful junk food has been veganified. Do you think we're coming out of that? People are going back to just regular junk food, or are we going to have an enlightened macrobi- macrobiotic brown rice era now? Uh. It's a wonderful question, and because it's interesting, I've been vegan now for 36 years, and for most of those 36 years, 
vegan was synonymous with health food. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned vegan to people, they'd be like, I could never be vegan because I could never eat just, you know, carrots and mung beans. Mm -hmm. sure. And then at some point, I guess in the late 90s, someone realized that you could make vegan food just as unhealthy as regular food. <laughs> yeah. And that started this, this the, the vegan junk food revolution. And to be honest, I don't eat vegan junk food, but I love that it's there. You know, like if I drive by Monty's at midnight on a Friday and I see a line of 20 year olds outside waiting to get vegan hamburgers and tater tots, I'm like, God bless vegan junk food. Because clearly those 20 year old hipsters would not be lined up at midnight on a Friday in Echo Park to get brown rice and hijiki seaweed. <laughs> that's that's yeah. The, the right, seaweed right. line would be a little shorter. That, it would in New York at Suen maybe, but not in LA. Um, so like you're happy that it just means that's another. Even if they're eating junk food and it's not necessarily good for them, but it is another. It's one less person eating cows and. Yeah, I mean, honestly, working as a vegan activist that's that's my job like making music is something i love and i find great comfort and refuge in making music but my day job is vegan activism is animal rights activism um and mm -hmm. to that end my criteria for assessing things like vegan junk food or vegan influencers is <laughs> anything that effectively moves the needle away from the current status quo it's good is in my mind a, a good thing and also i have to qualify it by saying i'm not the target demographic for a lot of we'll call it like millennial gen z etc yeah. mm. you weren't eating flaming hot cheetos before or after veganism yeah so, so I, it's it's kind of like if someone asks me what i what do i think about a new pop record I'm like, well, one, I haven't heard it. And two, I'm 58 years old. Why would my opinion matter? You know, like, yeah, I wish, mm -hmm. I wish more 58 year old guys would say that about Olivia Rodrigo. That's, that's, you're brave <laughs> because everyone felt the need to weigh in. I did hear one song. I think I heard one song of hers that reminded me of the second whole album. And I was like, oh, okay. It's funny. The only thing I know about pop music is Selena Gomez on Only Murders in the Building. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, look, that's something. You know, that that's not... That, that's, that's grandpa level. That's impressive. G-pop. It's very New Yorker of you. Oh, but so regarding the, 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 you know, vegan junk food, vegan activism, all these things, like, I just simply stand back and try to recognize that a lot of people are working hard to move the aforementioned needle away from that terrible status quo of factory farming and subsidizing foods that destroy animals and communities and kill people by making them sick sure mm -hmm. now was your because i was vegan in high school so was jason for years just like hardcore you know adjacent that was Straight your bros that was your introduction to it as well correct oh yeah i mean i even put out a free movie called the punk rock vegan movie about the history of punk rock and animal rights 
It's free. Do you think those things are still are they are those things still as intertwined as they were in the nineties and like early aughts? Uh see here's the thing. When I made the movie, the the punk rock vegan movie, the last band we were able to interview was ACXDC. I don't know. I, I don't know who that is. Oh, you will love, go listen to ACXDC. <laughs> I love them. I sent some of their music to Daryl from the Bad Brains, and he wrote back. He was like, "I will not listen to this satanic shit." I was like, <laughs> "There, it, it's an acronym. It stands for Antichrist Demon Corps." Okay, I'm back. Okay, okay I'm googling okay. now. Yeah, they're militant vegans. They live in San Fernando Valley. And when they came over to be interviewed for the movie, they brought me delightful vegan cupcakes that they had made in their kitchen. So they're the sweetest, nicest guys. How delightful. They just happened to be in a band called Antichrist Demon Corps. I feel like I know one of these guys. <laughs> so are these are these guys like hardline vegan warriors? They're they're I mean they they have a sense of humor about it, but yeah, they're Okay, okay. pretty militant vegan. But in terms of the more like are there younger vegan straight edge hardcore bands i assume they are there are mm -hmm. i just in my research in my ignorance i couldn't find them so in the punk rock vegan movie we sort of start with dave dichter from mdc and steve ignorant from crass and captain mm -hmm. sensible and some of like the original you know the, the the vegans from the 70s the mm -hmm. animal rights activists from the 70s and go through everything from you know Use of Today and the Cro-Mags and Gorilla Biscuits and then Derek from Sepultura and on and on and on and on, leading us to ACXDC. Right, okay, right, so, right. Do, so did we talk to Earth Crisis or no? Just couldn't get them on the yeah. horn? Okay, you did. I couldn't talk to Carl. Um, Carl was unavailable. Carl, Carl wasn't doing press at the time, I'm sure. <laughs> he was off cycle. Yeah, but so we had Earth Crisis <laughs> because um, he was playing in a band with, oh, what's his name? The drummer from Fallout Boy, whose name I can't remember. Andy. Andy, yeah, that's so. Andy is militant <laughs> vegan. He was. He was. Andy was in Vegan Reich. Uh oh. Well, the Vegan Reich is something we sort of stay away from. But I like. <laughs> I applaud the veganism, less so the Reich part. Um, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and I thought it was ironic that Vegan Reich was from Laguna Beach, California. What probably the most chill. Easy breezy towns I've ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, although you know, if going to like old guy punk rock history, the Orange County was sort of. I mean, I think that like the Dead Kennedys, Jello even wrote the song "Nazi punks fuck off" after playing in Orange County. Mm, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. That's. I'm from Orange County. Yeah, I'm not. And I experienced that. Not criticizing or maligning Orange County, but <laughs> sub, there was definitely you may a little bit of a subcurrent. You know, a, a very small subcurrent of right-wing punk rock beliefs in Orange <laughs> County, at least in the early 80s. Up until current day. Um, but yeah, we speaking of, um, before I forget, and veganism and Laguna Beach, what are your thoughts on ghee? Ghee, like clarified butter. I mean, it's a dairy product. So personally, I wouldn't eat it. But when I look at the world of like, you know, animal products, uh, my main focus is for like the worst offenders, you know, the stuff that anybody can agree on is terrible. You know, like for example, mm -hmm. someone might ask me like, you know, my aunt and uncle have chickens in their backyard and they make eggs. What do you think? I'm like, really my focus is on factory farms, sure. you know, and, yeah. and CAFOs and like the really egregious, horrifying stuff that even meat eaters have a hard time with. So ghee, I, I'm a, 
inbred white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, so I wouldn't eat ghee, but it wouldn't really be my my focus in a world where there are factory farms. You're willing to look the other way at a at a ghee eater. You're going to let ghee and meemaw and pawpaws kind of farm eggs go, and we're going to focus on the factory farms. That's that's good use of time. Uh, I mean, and, and granted, I know that's wishy-washy on my part, but it just seems like if your house is on fire, you can't really have a discussion about painting the gutters. I don't think it's wishy-washy. It makes perfect sense. What are what are some of your favorite vegan restaurants throughout the years? Were you a Kate's Joint guy? Were you like oh, a... Oh, 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 I love Kate's <laughs> Joint. Oh, <laughs> Me, my, too. I Kate. Me too. Me too, You know, Kate was... When the Beastie Boys did Egg Raid on Mojo, I think she was their drummer. Yes. she No, she was a legend. I mean, yeah. we used to party with her in the basement. That was the best part. It was like vegan food and cocaine. Babe. The, one of the greatest mixes. Well, okay. So now, now I have... Moby's like, all right, let me get a cup of coffee here. You've given <laughs> me FOMO because I never knew there was a basement to Kate's joint. And why the fuck was I not invited to do cocaine damn, with Kate in the damn, basement? Damn, they thought Kate's Moby joint. was a narc. They said, nah, he gets, no, I don't... It's because... A guy that I grew up with, uh, that was his. He was a bartender there. That was so. I think maybe that was my, why my access was granted, not because of my status personally, mm -hmm. but I miss it. I think about it all the time. It was it was so good, so ahead of its time. So what what was your order there, Moby? I think I might. It was like the the way the no huevos rancheros, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I used to go there probably three or four times a week, hungover, unable to string sentences together, and it was the. That you could tell that it was vegan hangover food made by addicts, like because yeah. they were they <laughs> just sure. knew exactly <laughs> what the food should do to make your hangover more. Takes bearable. one to know one. Yeah, but the crowd, the crowd, like on a Sunday, it's like a, it was like a post misshapes. It was like hot. It was it was good looking people. You know what I mean? It was like a scene beyond just the delicious breakfast. Back when items. hot people would get hungover, miss those days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it was a different. <laughs> I did actually end up there once after DJing at Misshapes and not having gone to sleep. And uh, so, yeah, it's funny you're mentioning all these things I haven't thought of, like Misshapes. Who boy, what a what a <laughs> fun degenerate mess of beautiful drug addicts that was. What would you play at Misshapes? Like New Order and shit? Like what are you playing? Uh, old house vinyl. Oh, okay, okay, and that worked. Yeah, because it was it. I mean, obviously, Misshapes had that sort of love of nostalgia, 88, 89 house vinyl. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe I would throw in something like a Peaches track or something. But, sure, you know. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. How could you not? Absolutely I mean, yeah. based on the timeline, Peaches was a hot ticket. Um, what, what's the most money you've ever been paid for one DJ set? <laughs> uh... It wasn't misshapes, so I know that. No, misshapes, <laughs> misshapes got drink tickets. You know, they're they're like, here's a bag of drugs and twenty dollars for your taxi. Um, okay, I got asked to do a residency in Las Vegas, and I'm not gonna. The people who asked me, they were really wonderful, but I hate Las Vegas. I, I oh boy, the idea of going even near Las Vegas is just so miserable. Mm -hmm. So. I briefly did this residency and I got paid well for it. And the way I did it was I took the last flight out of Burbank, went to Las Vegas, went to Whole Foods, got my dinner, went to the hotel, took a nap, <laughs> DJ'd, went right to the airport and flew home so I could spend as little time in Las Vegas as possible. But the what I 
the bargain I made with myself was that the money I made from DJing in Las Vegas would go to pay for the punk rock vegan movie so that I could give it away for free. Okay, so this this wasn't that long ago then. Yeah, it was, I mean, like wow. seven or eight years ago. Well, okay, so you were going back to back with Diplo at Marquee and and it was worth it because you were able to put that money back into what you care about. Did people in Vegas want to see you? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I was... As somebody who's a fan of your music and who has DJed in Las Vegas before, you're not you're not screaming Vegas energy at all. No, and the promoters or okay, what I realized is one of the reasons a lot of the DJs get paid well is because they're sort of asked to spend time with the high rollers. Like they're sort of like a yeah, yeah. a status thing. And so they had this this VIP area where the some you know people would spend tons i mean the amount of money they spend for bottle service some of the whales want to talk to moby the whales yeah which is sort of ironic um i think he, i think the mm-hmm. point is they didn't want to talk to moby maybe that's the issue <laughs> we've got moby over here if you want to meet him the first night i dj there the promoter was like hey we'd love to introduce you to some people and i was like no no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm I'm good, bro. I'm kind of gonna have a Coca Cola back here. I'm, yeah. I'm good. So so no, I Vegas. I I hate it. I mean, I, I look. If someone goes there and has a wonderful experience, by all means, far be it for me to criticize it. But I find Las Vegas to be just absolutely one of the most loathsome places I've ever been in my entire. It ain't life. Moby Country. It's oh, I hate it so much. You haven't done any. I, I'm I'm. I would assume you had done some kind of private for a sultan birthday party kind of thing in your time no you know what i never know bjork's wedding something (laughs) now i'm also feeling like kind of like feeling like i missed out on the basement at kate's joint like why i'm sorry that's not my intention here i'm sorry i'm sorry why was my eight why were my agents never able to get me one of those ridiculous (laughs) diplo style fancy like djing for an oligarch's Sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. birthday. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. A sweet sixteen. A sweet sixteen for a Russian guy's daughter. Nothing is going to pay better than yeah, that. Yeah, no. I <laughs> never. I got. I. I probably would have, and then I'd have some good story there. Mm-hmm. But no, I. I was never asked to do that sort of stuff. Uh, well, look, there's, there's, there's still time. Speaking of uh, the Burbank flight to Vegas, what, what do you, as a, uh, a picky eater, do on airplanes? Well, it depends how long the flight is. It also depends how... You're going to Sydney. 15 and a half hours. What's, the, what's Moby doing? Okay. Well, yeah. So here's, <laughs> here's what I do. and He's got PTSD. <laughs> Buckle up. No, it's more just like, I'm like, why, why can't I go to Tom York Cool Musician School and figure out how to be cool and not embarrass myself so much in public. So here's what I do on any flight that's longer than like two hours. Okay. I make a lot of sandwiches. Okay. Um, and I mean a lot. Is that a euphemism for something? Or? No, sandwiches are sandwiches. I make, okay. I take Ezekiel bread and I Classic. make a bunch of like, so I'll take like, I'll make like four hummus sandwiches Hold on, hold like, on. Hummus <laughs> is that like lettuce, tomato, or is it just hummus and bread? Like how? How? Oh no, they're they're really good sandwiches. Okay, I need a detailed report of what goes into the hummus sandwich, please. Yeah, please. Okay, so the hummus sandwich that I would make for a flight, like if I'm going to New York, it's Ezekiel bread with nice organic hummus and uh, 
slightly toasted pumpkin seeds, oh. diced onion, oh. okay. cucumbers, tomato, and finely diced purple cabbage. So that would be the hummus sandwiches. And then in a different bag, I take Ezekiel like four nine raisin bread. Mm-hmm. And I take apple butter and either almond butter or walnut butter and make like three or four of those. And then I'll also bring a bar of organic chocolate. So you're really treating yourself yeah, this on is, this flight is what it sounds like. We got the guy yeah. the guy in one A's on his sixth sandwich. Somebody go check on him. How up many there. sandwiches do you eat <laughs> from LA to JFK? Uh three. But then <laughs> When you're in New York, you're like, oh, look, bonus. I have some extra sandwiches. So, yeah. like, <laughs> okay, okay. So, you touched down in New York, cultural culinary capital of planet Earth, and you said, thank God I've got three cabbage sandwiches in my suitcase <laughs> in case I'm not able to find anything for dinner tonight. <laughs> well, you get to the hotel and you're like, okay, it's 11. Do I really want to like walk in the rain? Sure. Everything's closed. Will they recognize me at ACBV? Yeah. Uh, good thing I've got my <laughs> PB&J. Yep. So they make sandwiches. But here's the other thing that saved me for decades of touring. And uh-huh. again, if Tom York were my public figure life coach, he'd be like, just keep this to yourself. Don't, why are you sharing this? Um, I wouldn't share this. You bring organic oatmeal with a bunch of mixed berry, like raisins, golden berries, goji berries, walnuts. Mm-hmm. And you keep Crazy. this dry oatmeal with you because every airport in the world has hot water. Okay. And so the number of times I'd be starving in like, Ukraine or <laughs> Athens or Seoul mm-hmm. or any one of these, like you're super hungry and you're like, oh my God, I have my oatmeal. I'm going to make oatmeal in the business class lounge. In, but but what I, I guess what I'm getting at is this is back, you know, in 1993, it wasn't a financial thing. You're getting flown out to DJ and you're making decent money then. So you're not living like a squatter because of that it's because there was no vegan food at the airport in ukraine in 1995 i'm assuming yeah but now it's 2023 there are more options but you're still holding true to the ezekiel three to seven sandwiches which is admirable and also airports i mean airplane food is disgusting the, the so worst. i don't want to eat the even if they make vegan food it's 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 horrible and also airports like as a vegan in an airport i don't know what Maybe you could find someone who makes a greasy impossible burger, but like I'd rather bring my right, right, right. delicious little sandwiches. Um, also, <laughs> while we're on the subject of my fantastic sandwiches that I should be embarrassed of, but I'm not. Uh, the first time I went to the Academy Awards, I we had to be there like three hours before the awards started. The awards were going to be four hours, and then there was a dinner afterwards. Were you, were you like, nominated, or were you just going for fun? No, I had done music for a friend's uh, movie, and so I sort of went with her okay. just to sort of – I was like, wow. I'm, Why not? When, are, you, are you downplaying who this friend and what this movie is? It feels like you are. No, it, it, it was a documentary called Wasteland, and it's a beautiful okay. documentary, but I guarantee no one here saw it. I did some movie for my friend Marty's flick a while ago. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's not like that. Okay. This guy, Paul, he's from the Valley. We did some stuff so together. You had, mul- you had a lot of downtime – at the Academy Awards. And so I made sandwiches and I brought them to the Academy Awards because I knew <laughs> if, if watching the Academy Awards on TV is boring, 
being in the audience is going to be even more boring. Mm-hmm. And so I brought the sandwiches and a copy of the New Yorker and I <laughs> found an area like it's a, in a stairwell behind a chair. And for most of the Academy Awards, I sat in this stairwell and read the New Yorker and ate my sandwiches. Sounds like a Woody Allen movie. Yep, and I've left you speechless because no, this well, is, well, I, I just, just have like a lot of questions. It is too long. long. It is too long. Did you walk? Did you walk the red carpet for this or no? Yeah. Did you yep. have the sandwiches with you on the red carpet? What did did you put them in your suit coat pockets or did you have a, a tote bag full of sandwiches? No, they were in my. I, I I basically strategically put them in my tuxedo pockets okay. because I knew <laughs> that security prop. If I tried to bring a bag, I'm like, I'm no a lister. They were going to take my sandwiches from me, and I was like, I don't want to spend seven hours in the Dolby Theater, starving to death, sad as they give out the award for best hair and makeup in a short documentary sure <laughs> sure no one no one w- i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy honestly that level of hunger okay well speaking of that resourcefulness in the early days of veganism did you have any favorite kind of loophole foods that were not meant to be vegan but then when you look at the ingredients of course by golly this coincidentally happens to be vegan like a a soft batch cookie for example yes. or something like that uh one of the things that really saved me in the early 90s, like 91, 92, 93, because I was touring. I mean, no one even knew really what veganism was back then. Mm-hmm. If you went to London, you're fine. If you went to Berlin, you're fine. Go to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sydney, all these places, you could easily find a vegetarian or vegan restaurant. But when you would go to, like, let's say, Macedonia, wonderful place, <laughs> but not a lot of vegan options in 1993. You don't, you don't <laughs> say. You don't say. Okay. Yeah. The impossible goat hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. The, 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 so but what ha, what did exist and what saved me time and time again, Italian food. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, sure. A classic just, just pasta and red sauce kind like of it's vibe. All, it's just olive oil, tomatoes, garlic, onions, spices, mm. and then white pasta is flour and water. So you kind of knew that you could at least feed yourself and not starve to death if you're in Kiev mm-hmm. in 1992. I, I, <laughs> I can't imagine going to the places that you went during that that era. It seems like true adventuring at a certain point. Yeah, it makes the sandwiches make sense to us. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. You've, you've, you've gone through a lot to know what works for you. It's like a hobo's trusty knife. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was an interesting time. And what, one of the saddest moments was one of the first times I went to Belgium. I was playing at a place called the Cherry Moon and I was traveling with all my food and I was unpacking my equipment and a box of soy milk had exploded in my keyboard case. <laughs> and it was just this sad moment where it's, it's like... the most Moby thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> most you know, it's like, like 11 p.m. You're in the soy parking milk lot. Exploded on the seat. On the seat. And you open up your... Yeah, because the keyboard case was also my luggage. So like... My socks, my t-shirts, my pants, everything was in this keyboard case and a box of soy milk exploded and just covered everything. I love soy milk, but it was like this sticky, <laughs> disgusting. Every- and I, was like, like, oh. I, I love Grey Goose. I hate when it explodes in my carry-on. Yeah. Like, Damn, that... <clears throat> that's that's rough stuff. I, that's rough stuff. <laughs> that's I, 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 I'm sure the venue didn't have laundry facilities for you either, so you kind of had to thug it out. Yeah, and, and this was you know 92 or 93 when I was staying essentially in youth hostels, and so mm-hmm. trying to clean my keyboard 
in the sink of a youth hostel. Yeah, it was it was a sad. You've time. come look. You've come a long way. You've come a long way. Dark Let, times. Let's just say that you've come a long way. What you've is come um, a long way? What is your relationship with New York now? Do you have a place there? Do you go back? Do you like it? Are you like done with it? Yeah, I I love. I go back to New York once or twice a year, and every time I'm back there, all I think to myself is like, "This is it's so beautiful. It's so interesting. It's so exciting." And I could never live there again. It's too much for you full time. You can only dip how many, in. How many days until you max out in Manhattan? Usually after like the fourth day or I'll have one of those moments like I'll be in the Lower East Side walking up the Bowery or walking down Rivington Street. And I'll, at first, every inch of New York is some sort of alcohol, drug, sad memory. <laughs> like, oh, I I had yeah. a, I broke up with someone there and I threw up there and I thought about killing myself there and, you know, like just filled okay, with okay. these like sad Proustian moments. Um, but also, as we were saying earlier, like I'm 58 years old. I'm not in the demographic for lower Manhattan anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. as it should be. It's designed for 25-year-olds. So why don't you go stay at the Carlisle and hang out uptown with the other wealthy 58-year-olds? Yeah, geriatrics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They have have wheelchairs and stuff. It's like the airport. It's great. New York for old people is just the other, the upside of it. Yeah, but then there's also that culture of the the glorification of wealth and consumption and finance and it's I, I find that to be almost that's like, the best that's the best part of New York. What do you mean? <laughs> so depressing. But that's all of New York now though. Yeah, I mean it really yeah. is just yeah, it it that that aspect is so grim. Jason's right though. That's not sequestered uptown like it used to be. It definitely feel it definitely feels different up was. there, but it's it's the same. It's a different kind of that. Whereas downtown it's a little more like rich kid crypto vibe versus uptown which is like i made this money or my grandfather's grandfather made this money i mean i did have a a moment like that one of the last times i was there i was on the bowery by where cbs used to be and i mean i used to hang out there you know whether it was matinees um i to my great pride and shame have had sex in the cbs bathroom like (laughs) It was and, and the Bowery in the late seventies and the early eighties, it was so nasty. I mean, unbelievably, <laughs> remarkably nasty. And I was standing in front of or near where John Vervedos slash former CBs mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. and these four young finance bros walked by having a debate about the fastest way to get to East Hampton. <laughs> and that was too much for you. That was too much for you. And I was like, what you happened what? to my damn city? I was like, no, I, I actually I was like this. Okay. It's it, this is not my world anymore. I'm in my fifties. I don't care about how to get to East Hampton because I think the place should probably be wiped off the face of the earth. Sure. But sure. I was like, you know, tech pros, <laughs> finance guys, like have fun, do drugs, be stupid pay too much for drinks it's it's their world far be it for me to criticize it yeah no it's 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 part of it's part of the fabric of the city for for better or worse we That's, need to make downtown a lawless slum again is what it sounds like it to seems me. like when the pandemic kicked in a lot of my friends who still live in new york they're like wow the subways are unsafe again like it's yeah, it yeah. Was making them nostalgic for the seventies. Oh, I see people. I see people like shooting up, smoking crack, full daylight now, which I did not see two, three, four, five years ago. Hmm. Couple more questions um, as we're closing out. 
Um, I remember back in the day, Eminem kind of spent like a year devoting all of his venom to making mm -hmm. fun of you and insulting you. What you what period was that? Like yeah, early two thousands. Like, uh, that song where he dressed up like me uh, without me. I think that came out in two thousand, maybe two thousand and one. So yeah, so okay, yeah, twenty some odd years ago. My question to you is: Does it make you feel good knowing that he sucks so bad now? Well, <laughs> here's the thing: um, you won, is what we're saying, Moby. You won. Long money was on Moby. If if I okay, so there's one qualified answer that I'm happy to answer to myself and never say out loud. <laughs> but what I will say, well put, is I've only met him once in passing, but. I think he's, I mean, apart from the misogyny, apart from the homophobia. Hey, 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 he did that song with Elton John. Come on now. He squashed it. <laughs> yeah. He squashed his it. His clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but he's really kind of like, what a fascinating public figure. Like, I can't think of too many people like him. And then one other, a, a friend of mine pointed this out to me that like, he and I are similar in so many ways. Like, we both grew up like, poor white trash, the child of a dysfunctional mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mom in the suburbs. Um, we both embraced musical idioms that were not native to who we were. And we both got sober publicly. And, mm -hmm. you know, so my, that's my long mealy mouth diplomatic way of not answering the question. <laughs> no, but that, that, that is interesting to realize after all this time, they're like, damn, me and me and homeboy got a lot in common, actually. I mean, apart from the fact that he he is someone who can't walk down the street without people like running after him and et cetera. And I go to Gelson's and like, I'm pretty thrilled if the checkout person acknowledge sure <laughs> well i mean look that's he he also has to live in detroit so i mm. think you win this one again i i love detroit but less so 11 months out of the year <laughs> that's yeah. right that's right okay um <laughs> and and lastly ish or maybe this will start a different convo but as a as an animal lover and a restaurant lover and a person of your age i wanted to know what are your thoughts on people bringing dogs inside of restaurants well and i hope that we're not going to have an argument about this because <laughs> And by the way, whatever your perspective is, I will appreciate it and respect it. But when I owned Little Pine, we were dog encouraged. It wasn't we weren't mm. we didn't accept people bringing dogs. I would go on social media and encourage it. <laughs> it also just all the other variables: the size of the dog, the incontinence mm. of the dog, how well the dog responds to other dogs and other people. Like for example, bladder control. The love of my life is a tiny little Chihuahua Terrier mix named Bagel. Bagel weighs 11 pounds. And if we bring Bagel to a restaurant, Bagel sits quietly and just observes what's going on around her. Like she's the most, she's better behaved in a restaurant than almost any human. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, as an animal lover, and I, I feel like this might've been a leading question. Like maybe you guys hate the idea of dogs in restaurants. I would say it depends on the dog and it depends on the restaurant. There again, I'm so mealy mouthed and diplomatic. No, I should get I, a I don't, star look, for I, being. No, I stand. <laughs> I stand. I stand on the opposite side of the of the lane here. I I don't think animals should be allowed where I'm eating food personally, but I also know that I don't have a choice in the matter because people are going to do whatever the fuck they want to do, and that's kind of where we're at as a society. I think. So when I was in high school, I briefly worked in a grocery store. And one thing, one of my jobs was unpacking produce. 
And one thing you learn pretty quickly is produce is filled with dead things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's filled with dead animals. It's filled with dead bugs. It's filled like it's it's just filled with dead stuff. Like big animals? Sometimes surprisingly. <laughs> it's like when you get it's like when you eat dip into some beans and there's a rock in there. You know what I mean? Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, you find like a kangaroo in a box of tomatoes? Like how big are we talking? <laughs> no. less, less so a kangaroo, more like you would find <laughs> okay. mice, you would find snakes, you would find all sorts of oh, things. Oh, it's snake in the avos. And Oof. so my point being when you when the food is served to you and there's a dog in the restaurant, hygiene wise, that's possibly the the last of your concerns. It's like the mm. the the box of produce filled with dead things and like what's going on yeah. in the kitchen. When I here's a fun little story. When I owned my restaurant in New York called Teeny, the health inspector would come in and we were always like he loved visiting us because he could never write us up for anything. We became friends with him and I would ask him for horror stories. And one time he came in and he was kind of pale. He had just been to an Indian restaurant and in the basement of the Indian restaurant, they had had a sewer, like a sewer main break. And he said there was a foot of raw sewage in the basement of the restaurant where they were preparing all the food and the people were walking around Monty Python style with boxes taped to their feet. Look, we got to turn the tables. We got a business. <laughs> we got a business to run. We couldn't you know? tell what was doll and yep. what was waste. <laughs> That's tough. Okay. So the fact that there is a decent chance that your food is being prepared in a basement with a of human waste. Okay. Um, in in the court, that's a that's a good argument. You've made you've made a very compelling argument. I just don't like barking. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll I'll live. Yeah. Um. All right, Moby. Thank you for joining us on How Long Gone. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Um. Oh, thanks for having me on. This this was I didn't know where we were gonna go, and uh, thanks for letting me waste your time. Hey hey, no problem. And you guys check out Moby Pod and and read the memoirs. They're excellent. And uh, I'll, we'll see you at Gelson's. Okay. <laughs> Well, it was wonderful talking to you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you too. We'll see you soon, bro. Thank you. Bye. Bye.